Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the co-hostess that helps patients with secondary hydrosis. Huh? The co-hostess that hands out all the right doses. What? The co-hostess that has a mustache worth the mostest. Word. Dave Burles Berlin. Say what? Well, thank you, Doc. Quick question for you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on... Asian buffets. Hmm. Asian buffets. I like them. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Um, okay. What's your next question? What is your tactic? Word. So the reason I ask this is because the girlfriend and I went to eat before the show. And, and we were talking. Asian buffet? Do we go, yeah. Do we go sushi place and, you know, spend 20 bucks on sushi? Or do we go Asian buffet mm-hmm. spend 20 bucks and eat your face yeah. Off, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, you so, go and do, so so and, you're telling me you're going to be in a food coma this whole show. Yeah, this it's it's going to be a fight, but it's worth it. You know what I mean? Okay. But okay. My huh? question is to you: Is what is your strategy going into Asian buffet? Because hers was different than mine, and it caught me off guard. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I don't really like. I mean, I'm not really with. with it's not so like expensive that I'm like I got to get my money's worth here, you know. Like it's not a, mm-hmm. a, just an astronomically priced thing. Like for instance, if you're talking like uh, what's the like the Brazilian steakhouses, right? Yeah, Terra Gaucho. Yeah, or, um, if I'm going to one of them, then I'm gonna get mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to get my money's worth. I'm gonna have to strategize. Yeah. I'm gonna have to think Fair. about what I'm getting, and I'm like, hey, this is gonna cost a pretty penny. I got to get ready to eat. You know, but yes. like chi- yes. Chinese buffets or Asian buffets in, in, in general, yeah. Nope. I mean, they're usually not that bad. So I'll usually just go for what I really want, you know? Like, I'll. I'll yeah, whatever you're craving. Okay. I'll pick out my favorite, and, I, and I'm a wok guy. So true. I like all the wok stuff, you know? I, I mean, like mm-hmm. Szechuan beef, uh, um, uh, Mongolian beef. Uh, Kung yeah, Pao, of course. Can't beat it. You know mm-hmm. that. I, so, so whatever I'm feeling that day, I'll go with that. You know. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, if it has sushi, I'm definitely getting like a plate full of sushi mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. after that, like I know I've got my my money's yeah. worth and yeah, whatever I eat's gravy for but sure. She started it like it was a five course meal. She started with her soup and salad. Oh wow! And I'm thinking. That's not even on my radar. No, and, like I don't. I, I couldn't even tell you where that is in the building. I don't even care. No, no. Now, you know now, I mean? now, I will again at the Brazilian steakhouses. I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will get some some greens first. Yes, and just to let definitely. it to let it basically clear the way. Get ready for this meat fest. Dude, this meat extravaganza. That's my same thinking with those. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to hurt later. Let me at least eat something green to help, yeah. and we're good to go. Well, and, and not same, only that, same. but you, you, you get a little bit of a, you get a, little bit of a uh, stretch of the stomach. Just a small one. Yes. You get, put, put yeah. a little bit of green in there. You put a little bit of water in there, and now you're like, all right, 
Let's get the juices flowing. Ew. Let's get some meat in here. You know, that's... Totally. Yeah. Now, Dave, I, I like that trip down food lane. That was fun. Yes! Um, Thank you. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to switch gears real quick here. We're gonna we're gonna okay. have to get serious for a second. Jeez. And we can we can get serious. Yeah, I don't like it. You know, I don't like to get serious because <laughs> you know we like to talk about goofy on this show, and I don't right. I don't like to talk. But it's it's a, a pretty big elephant in the room. You know, it needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like like my friends, uh, the four twenty old fat lesbians yes! said this week <laughs> on Instagram. We avoid difficult conversations, or when we avoid difficult conversations, we trade short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Somebody very, else. Very well said. Somebody else probably said it before the four twenty old fat lesbians, but it's not as fun to quote them as it is Sue and Lee. So you know. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> so true. Just, just saying. Anyways, so the straw that broke the metaphorical camel's back was the murder of George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It was wrong, shouldn't have happened, never mm-hmm. should have came close mm-hmm. to happening. And America is in agreement that it's wrong and should have never happened. Right. Amazingly, it doesn't matter even the political affiliation. You, you know how wrong it was? Rush Limbaugh said that it was wrong and the police officer deserved first-degree murder. Jeez. Rush Limbaugh said that. I mean, that's how how obviously wrong this was, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the obviously defining factor was George Floyd was black, which brings us to the yep. point that blacks are two and a half times more likely to be killed by police than whites, which is wrong on multiple levels. There's no justification for that. Like, none. No, sir. You can't... Mm-mm. You can't validate it with any other stats. It doesn't matter what you're going to bring in. It's wrong. It just shouldn't be uneven like that for any reason at all. So, since then, since, you know, that was the catalyst, the the protest started, and and rightly so. And since then, though, there's been all kinds of other topics, right, thrown in the mix. Drew Brees brought up the flag kneeling, and you're like, Drew, Drew. Bad time, buddy. Shut up for now. That was a bad idea, right? It wasn't a good idea. Guys, I couldn't yeah. believe it, man. Yeah, statues were being, you know, torn down or argued about. People are arguing about white privilege. All of these things are understandable, right? Actors, artists, coaches, they're dragging back out racist things they'd said in their past. And all of these things are problems, right? All these things need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But I would like everyone to remember why the protest exploded on May 25th. Yes! George Floyd was murdered by the police. That's the reason. He was murdered by the police for using a fake $20 bill. Unarmed. Which is yep. ridiculous. Just put yourself in that position. Because anybody could be in that position. Anybody could have used a $20 bill that they didn't know was fake. And that definitely does not deserve murder in any way whatsoever. Right? George Floyd was murdered by the police for using that fake $20 bill. So, and 80% of the country feels that that was wrong. 
and it was due to an underlying problem of racism in the police. So start there. That's right. Body cameras on every police officer. 92% of Americans agree with doing that. So why doesn't that start? Ban warrior-style right. training for police officers. Why doesn't that... That's happened in Minnesota. Hasn't happened in the rest of the country, right? Get rid mm -hmm. of wartime weapons and everyday policing. What the f do they need those for? They don't need them. Get rid of them, right? And actually have a federal database and a local database that tracks police misconduct. Who could be against that? That needs go. to be there. The officers swore to protect Agreed. and serve. And if there are allegations that they weren't doing that, we'd like to know. I think most people would like to know, right? And then how about training and requirements to become a police officer? Dave, how about this? In Finland, they require three years of training to become a police officer. And in, and in the last wow. 12 years, guess how many fatalities they've had at the hands of police officers? Less than you know. Way States. less. Four in 12 years. Wow. Right? That's impressive. In the U.S., we have 21 weeks of training for police officers. A lot of that focused on weapon use. And we've had roughly 1,000 mm -hmm. deaths in a year. One year, 2019. Man. So just do it. And that and you don't have to you don't have to multiply Finland's population. No, no, it doesn't come anywhere close. Nowhere close. Even if you average right. out the, the populations, nowhere close. Per capita, blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. yeah. Lastly, we have to hold police accountable when they take a life. There are hundreds of these cases yeah. across the country that have been documented, like the death of Breonna Taylor, and nothing has happened. Nothing. Why not? Why? That makes no sense. That's a starting place, Dave. Now, obviously, along with that, there needs to be other conversations of race and equality, because it's all over the place. Problems are all over the place. But that's a starting place, right? That's what needs to happen, in my opinion. Just saying, Dave. Just saying. No, man, Doc, you make some great points. It's um, I think we've learned that changes is coming. Um, I think it was Louisville where the cops um had an incident and the cameras yeah. weren't on, and those guys were immediately yes. fired. And I, I don't, I'm not sure if the sheriff was or the sheriff fired them immediately, whichever. But action yeah. was taken. Um, and there's some changes happening in Minnesota with their police mm -hmm. department and uh lastly i think the the weirdest thing about this whole thing was that george floyd and the officer had worked together um security for a club at yeah. one point yeah they did but you um, know i mean in in, in regardless again and, and the side things are interesting regardless doesn't matter how they knew each other should have never happened and if that guy, if that guy had right. tendencies of aggression, they should have been noted. Of past yeah. aggression, 
Right. Well, and 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 so I came out all of his case. I think he had like seven reported cases. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. They, yeah. There uh, were all uh, kinds of problems as far as the misconduct. police of going going above and beyond. But what they he they should. they right. control those, so, so they didn't come out. The police handle them themselves. Right. Now the last thing, Dave. It's simple. Which last yeah. thing before we move on to goofy that we usually our regular scheduled goofy of the show. Last thing, simple. When tensions get high like this, people get defensive. They don't want to be told how to feel. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a small suggestion. Mm -hmm. Very small. Very small, Dave. Very easy. Something that we were all taught when we were kids. But I'm going to throw a twist. I'm going to throw a twist, Dave. Real simple. Here we go. Okay. Treat everybody. Regardless of race, gender, religion, disability, socioeconomic status, or anything else. Here's the twist. You ready for it? Better mm -hmm. than the way you would want to be treated. Better Boom. than the way you'd want to be treated. It's all it takes, Dave. Golden rule. It's all it takes, man. Very well said, sir. Are you ready to fire this show up? Hmm. Let's fire it up, buddy. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Time for Goofy. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, Dave, I am super, super excited about the guest today. We have none other than Will Hogue on the show. My goodness. Yes. All right. 20, 25 years deep into his career. 25 years. Jeez. Man. Getting ready to release his new album, Tiny Little Movies. Yes. Gonna talk all kinds of stuff. Gonna talk eating in Nashville. That's right. Gonna talk, dude, he had a horrific mm -hmm. scooter accident back in the day. Horrific. It was frightening, man. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. I don't wanna, you know, delve in it too long. Probably make him upset, you know. But we're right. gonna talk about some things. It's gonna be good. I can't wait. I am very excited. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. But first, we need to start. Where we start? Birthday suit. Let's go. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay. Um, Dave, this one, I gave it, I, I just wasn't really sure. Hmm. I gave it a 75%. Uh -huh. I know you know her. I know you know her. 100% you know okay. her. I just don't know. Yeah, I think you'll get it. I, I probably should have got it higher than 75. 75, I was being skeptical. I don't know why I wrote down 75. Anyways. Okay. Born in St. Joseph, Michigan on June 10th, 1992. Her mother okay. was Texas State Age. tennis champ. Yeah. Hmm. And her father was a high school athletics director. When our birthday suit wearer was seven, their family moved to Melbourne here in Florida. Nice. She, oh, she yeah, she loved participating in equestrian as a child and competed mm -hmm. at a national level. In 2008, okay. she went to a casting call for models and was signed to IMG Models. Hmm. In 2011, okay. she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue, where she was named Rookie of the Year. Since then, mm -hmm. she's modeled in Vogue. Uh, GQ, Cosmo, Glamour, Esquire, many more. In 2017, mm -hmm. she married Justin Verlander, and they have a two-year... Oh, uh, hmm? Kate Upton. Kate Upton is correct. Yes. 
Kate Upton, man, turning the big 2-8. Two, two, getting old, Kate. Jeez. Getting old. Almost. I remember when, when Justin was first on the show, first started being on the show, we talked a little bit about Kate Upton. And cause it was crazy because that oh, was yeah, yeah. that was okay, two- not Justin Verlander. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, we didn't. I didn't slide in Justin Verlander. Never tell you about that. Uh, no, Justin Evangelista, <laughs> former co-host of the show. There, um, oh, man. when me and Justin were talking about her, she was only yeah, she was only twenty four then because it was two thousand sixteen. Right. Crazy, crazy man. They got a they Weird. got a, they got a child, a daughter, Genevieve. Oh, she's two. I didn't even know that. Yeah, she's two. Genevieve. Yeah, there you go. Dang. There you go, man. Kate. She's a pop out a boy for him. What? Yeah, no, no, not yet. Just one. Just Genevieve right now. Just uh, two-year-old Genevieve. She's living the solo daughter life right now. So, you know, I, I've never known what that's about. My brother knew what it was about yep. for four years, and then he got me. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> Anyways, all right, here we go. Are you ready, Dave, to rip some headlines? Let's do it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Now, I would like to know, Dave, that I was, uh, there were a couple things that I needed to follow up on, but mm-hmm. I did not follow up on them. Oh! So, sorry. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's okay. I, I didn't There's have always next time. Uh, and, and I did follow up. I tried to find the the naked mom that was walking down Main Street sober. I tried to find some follow up oh, info. Right. Didn't really find mm-hmm. too much. She may yeah. have been arrested for drunk in public later. Wait, what? Like the next week, but I can't verify that for sure. So <laughs> now oh, no. I still want to know the story though. Why? Why were you naked cruising down yes. Main Street? Like just and not not judging. Nope. Just want to know. Just hey, it's cool. Just I'll tell us. I'll walk with you next time if you if you want a naked walking partner. We can do it together. It'll be fine. <laughs> what? Anyways, okay, let's rip some headlines. Okay. Dave, this uh this story's from Channel 5 ABC in Cleveland. Dave, do you ever uh, plan on being a mayor of a city? Hmm. I don't think anyone wants me as the mayor of their city. Eh, maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not politically savvy enough to be a mayor. Okay, uh, that's good. Well, I, I I'm, I'm going to give you a little advice if you do want to be a mayor. And I think okay. I think this advice holds true no matter what city you are mayor for. Um, while you're mayor. You're going to want to avoid calling the city you are mayor for uh, the butthole of the world. That's a fact. You're going to want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Which was something that Cleveland Mayor uh, Frank Jackson, he apparently found unavoidable this past week. He he just had to call Cleveland the butthole of the world. So uh, Jackson had a 50-minute interview. And during that interview, the host of the show asked him about the budget of Cleveland, of the city. And his response was, quote, and even though, I I cut some parts of it here, but he said, and even though Cleveland is perceived to be the butthole of the world sometimes. Wait, what? When you look at perception and reality and look at gross domestic product, Cleveland and the Cleveland region, it's a pretty wealthy area, end quote. (laughs) So, 
Dave, as you could imagine, when Clevelanders heard this uh, this comment, they didn't find it too great. You know? No. Yeah, they weren't too happy. There was a lot of uh, was a lot of feedback. A lot of feedback to uh, Mr. Jackson's office there, Mayor Jackson's office. But I would like to say a couple things. Two points, Dave. First, he didn't say that Cleveland was the butthole of the world. Nope. Right? Yeah, he just said people call it that. Yeah, he said it's perceived to be the butthole of the world. And Dave, it's, it's like when I say most people, th- uh, most people think Taco Bell food is horrible shit, right? Or, or perceive the show as horrible as a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean I'm not a fan of it. I'm a fan I of the totally show. Get it. Yeah, I'm a fan of Taco Bell. I'm a fan of this show. That's I get it, man. I'm just saying that's what other people say. Second, why did he just decide on the term butthole of the world? Yeah! It's such a weird thing. Like, I mean, it seems like he decided to, like, try to clean up a bad phrase, but then he didn't go mm-hmm. all the way up in cleaning it up, you know, and he, as a result, just made it weirder. Like, I mean, right. he could have just said, you know, Cleveland's per- uh, perceived as a bad city sometimes. But instead, he went with butthole of the world, which, like, what? Who says that? Come on, Mayor Jackson. Come on. Think about it, buddy. Think about it. Dave, our next story is from uh, WZAW, Channel 7, uh, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Dave, uh, wouldn't you agree... That driving while under the influence or while intoxicated in any degree, it's just not acceptable, am I right? Nope. Yeah, not good, man. Not good at all. It's one of those things that pretty much nobody's in argument with. Yeah, yeah, everybody agrees. So what's the response when you hear that a 66-year-old man in Wisconsin was arrested on OWI charges, right? operating vehicle while intoxicated for mm-hmm. the 15th time hmm. do you think at some point you just you would just learn your lesson 15th you know what i mean like <laughs> time so mark like by the second what? time you just stop can somebody get him help like what? Come on, man. So mark johnson was arrested on uh highway 25 after he was found at the crash site uh, to be intoxicated, not too surprisingly, right? He was about Mm -hmm. two times above the legal limit when they tested him. Officials say the vehicle appeared to have driven through a stop sign, uh, went right through the intersection, and into a ditch on the other side. Um, Mm. Yeah, not good. So the state of Wisconsin has now permanently revoked Mr. Johnson's license, which is good. Good. Great. Great, right? But I gotta say, should this happen way sooner? Yes! Like, I mean, I don't think the saying goes, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, fool me 13 more times, and we're gonna have a serious problem. Right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, come on. Like, seriously, on the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th time, weren't they like, 
Yeah, maybe Did they just start getting together and planning it at that point. Like, I mean, geez, like when they run his rap sheet and they're like, oh my God, this is the 12th time. Like, and then finally they're like 15. That's a good round number. You know, divisible five. Like it. There you go. Nice. Let's go with that. <laughs> and we're going to cut you off there. Uh, right. Dave, this next story is from the Helsinki Times. It's the only okay. place where I get my finished news. I'm sure you're the same. Yes. Um, Love it. So, like everywhere, Finland has had to deal with the coronavirus. So true. Right? Mm-hmm. But Dave, last week on the 4th, the Finns had some important news to announce about the coronavirus. Mm. Mm-hmm. They had a day of no new coronavirus cases in the whole country. <laughs> None. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. What do they attributed it to? Well, and, and now the Finns, they've never really had an outrageous level of cases, you know. Uh, back mm-hmm. April 6th, they had they had their most new cases in one day, which was 209, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the virus reproduction rate in Finland has fallen now uh, to 0. 0.75. Yeah. Which, you know, the reproduction rate means how many people does one person infect uh, after they're infected. Exactly. So in Finland, that means it's on its way to zero soon if they can keep it down like that, right? Uh, Now, to give you a little bit of perspective, uh, there are only three states in the United States that are close to a reproductive rate of 0.75 so true uh right Mm -hmm. now in florida our reproductive rate is 1.03 jeez which means we are still increasing we are still proliferating uh dave this brings us back to why are fins happier than us and getting less covid than us Hmm. both things are true dave Every time they have the happy survey, they're the happiest country, remember? That's a fact. And I think we all know why. Hmm. Pants drunk. Wait, what? Do you remember pants drunk, Dave? Pants drunk. These people literally created a word for staying home and getting drunk without your pants on. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot about that. Call Sarah Canet. Call Sarah Canet. That is their word. For pants drunk, which literally means, you know what? I'm not going out tonight. I'm staying home. I'm not having pants on, and I'm getting drunk. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, I mean, when you've already dedicated yourself to staying home and drinking with that in your underpants, I mean, do you think you care? You can do it during quarantine. (laughs) Exactly. Do you think you care when officials tell you to stay home? Of course not. (laughs) You're like, keep calm and keep drinking without your pants on. All right, here we go, yes. guys. Let's get it done. <laughs> nice. Nice, Finn. We salute you, Finland. There you go. We salute you. Yes. Dave, this next story is from CNN. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of the actress Kate Blanchett? Hmm. Uh, not off the top of my head. She's been in a lot of big movies. I know you've seen her. She's in Thor, uh, Ocean's 8, Elizabeth. Okay. The talented Mr. Ripley, The Hobbit, all the Lord of the Rings. She's the elf uh, queen lady 
in all of those movies. Word. Just uh, uh, I didn't watch Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's right. You're more of a Star Wars guy. We've been uh, we learned yeah. that last week. Yeah, there you go. Um. Anyways, Kate, she's uh she's been doing the old quarantining thing like everybody else, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. apparently uh she's had some trouble in quarantining uh, because last week she accidentally. Cut her head open with a chainsaw. Wait, what? Oh, God dang. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. She let this be known on former Australian Prime Minister uh, Julia Gillard's podcast. Yeah. Golly. Which, by the way, Dave. Scary. (laughs) By the way, that's who we're up against in the podcast game. The former Prime Minister of Australia. No, lady. Julia Gillard. Julia Gillard. We got her. Yeah, there you go. Oh, here, here you go. Uh, Julia Gillard, former prime minister versus Ben Gordon. Some do. Mm. Pretty close, right? May have, yeah. may have an unfair advantage in the publicity game. You got more street cred, dog. She got, she got Kate Blanchett on her show. But I will tell you something, Dave. I, I stalked her podcast a little bit. Wait, what? I stalked her podcast a little bit after this. <laughs> and guess what? Mm-hmm. We have more five star ratings on Apple than her. Boom. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was pretty excited about that. I was pretty excited about that. She may actually have had a job that was, you know, uh, influential and impactful in everyone in the country of Australia, but we've got more mm-hmm. ratings than her. So take that, Julia. Exactly, man. Take that, Miss Former Prime Minister. Anyways, uh, back to Kate's, Kate Blanchett. I got sidetracked. Um <laughs> Kay Blanchett went on the uh, podcast, and she's telling a story. And in the middle of the story, Kay Blanchett's like, well, I had a bit of a chainsaw accident yesterday. What? Which sounds very (laughs) exciting, but it wasn't. Apart from the nick to my head, I'm fine. Word. Now, the crazy (laughs) part of this story is that the former prime minister just goes, be very careful with that chainsaw. You've got a famous head. I don't think people would like to see any nicks taken out of it. Word. So, two things about that comment. First, like, you're not going to follow up with, like, what the hell are you doing with the chainsaw around your head, Kate? Like, she was just like, oh, yeah, boring. Anyways, no follow-up question at all. Like, you're not going to ask, like, Girl, come on. Huh? What were you doing with the chainsaw, and why were you cutting your own head? Like, come on. Instead, just be careful. Then the second thing, I like how she left it up for debate in the second part. She said, I don't think people would like to see any nicks taken out of your head. Hmm. Like, she's like, I don't know. I could be wrong. People could want to see you cut off your head. I don't know, Kate. I'm just... I'm just saying, I'm guessing most people don't want to see that happen. Like, geez, come on. And lastly, chainsaws don't really have the ability to make nicks. Nope. They tend to make giant gaping wounds. I was about to say, it's a huge gash instantly. (laughs) Like, come on. What is going to... Either this wasn't a real chainsaw or that was much more than a nick. One of the two. So true. One of the two. Okay, uh... (laughs) <laughs> this I think this is my favorite story, Dave. This is uh, my favorite story for the week. So this comes from uh, DailyMail.com, which usually has a lot of my favorite stories. Uh, remember a couple weeks ago when we had the story regarding the news anchor in Spain who had his girlfriend walk by the camera in the uh, background? Yep, yep. 
Well, this is sort of similar, except in my opinion, way funnier. So true. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> apparently uh, there was a meeting uh, with a committee of the Spanish or the uh, Mexican Senate, right? And they had a meeting on Zoom, right? Because they're still practicing mm-hmm. social distancing, right? So they had a meeting mm-hmm. with about 15 senators in all. And uh, one of the uh, one of the senators was Martha Lucia uh, Miker, I'm guessing her last name mm-hmm. is. So Martha mm-hmm. is just in the middle of the screen of the Zoom call with no shirt or bra on. Wait, what? Just naked from the waist (laughs) up. Like, I know we're learning about all this Zoom stuff, but, like, come on. (laughs) And and so the hilarious thing is, I don't think any of the other senators knew what to do because, like, they somebody leaked a screenshot of this, by the way. You know, they blurred out Martha there. They blurred out Martha, don't worry. They blurred her out, but, like, you see all the other senators, they're just, like, looking away from their screen, like, I don't... uh, (laughs) Don't make eye contact. Don't don't stare. (laughs) And so, finally, one of the other senators called her on the phone and was like, hey, um... Do you realize we can all see you naked? Hmm. And she's like, oh, oh, geez. And so then she apologized to the other senators. And she apologized. And the funny part is she released a statement after these things were, you know, after the pictures were leaked. She she released a statement to the the press that said, uh, I'm sorry. I have I've yet to master these new forms of communication. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Which <laughs> then she and you got to give her, give it up to her afterwards. After that, she said, "I'm a woman of 66 years of age who has breastfed four children, three of whom today are professional and responsible men, and I feel proud of my body having nourished them. I am a woman." who has fought for the left for 40 years and who has occupied various roles in my fervent commitment for defense of human rights. I am a woman who is not ashamed of her body. I love it and take care of it. That's right. Yeah. You go, Senator. Sweet. Everybody look at her body. You take it all in. <laughs> all of its glory. Take it in. She's not ashamed. Yeah. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Uh, That's such like a political thing to, to I, say afterwards. I just like, come like on. she. Did, I mean, she didn't mean like you know. First of all, like I got like twenty minutes before the meeting. Wasn't she like you know? Was she, like was she talking to a toaster before that and was like, oh, I thought it was Zoom. I had no idea. Whoops. Thought this is how it oh, works. Like Zoom shows your video. Yeah, and like, what did she think when she was sitting there and she saw herself on her screen? Was she like, "Oh, they're just letting me know how I look now. That's nice. Yes, that's good. Yes." Like, what do you think that video is going out to? Right? I, I mean, don't know. And it can't be your first Zoom call 
through this pandemic. So, like, how many other Zoom calls have you done? <laughs> That's so true. That's true. That's a very good point. It's probably been like 30 of them that no senator actually wanted to tell her that they were just like, <laughs> like, uh, individual. She was like making deals and stuff. They're like, the oh, God, I got to make a call to Martha. Oh, Jesus, she's going to be naked again. Oh, no. I, is it before noon? Oh, yeah, she's still oh, naked. Oh, yeah. Which you also got to give up to her. Like, she's she's like the fins, man. She was like, you know what? Quarantine. No no clothes. Yeah. Screw these no clothes. No I'm not wearing nothing. any clothes. Screw that. I'm a 66-year-old woman. You take it in. Look at it. Do your thing, Martha. Martha. You <laughs> go, Martha. Okay. Uh, Dave, we got two more stories. We're going to save them for after our first song. Uh, let's see here. We're going to take a break. We're going to hear from, of course, Will Hogue. It's a little bit of a protest song right here, actually. This is a song called Still a Southern Man, one of my favorites, right here on the Doc G Show. There's a flag flying overhead and I used to think it meant one thing. But now I've grown up and seen the world and I know what it really means. I wanted it to be the symbol of a boy who wasn't scared to take a stand. But now I know it's just a hammer driving nails in the coffin of a long dead land.
The Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave. Guys and ladies, do us a huge favor. Go on your podcast downloading app. Mm -hmm. Give us a five-star rating. Yep. Say how much you love us or what your favorite part of the show is. Anything. We love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Go check out the website, www.thedocgshow.com. Yep. And then... Go check out the Instagram yes. at Doc G Show. Yes, 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 and yes, Dave. Wait, what? Come on, guys, you got Doc ha- G follows back you too. Can, it, well, yeah, yeah. sometimes I, I follow the artist. I follow the artist. I can't say that I follow. <laughs> he all does. The he, he just followed me the other day. So it's true. I realized that I hadn't. I thought I followed you when I followed Claude, and I apparently didn't. And then I was like, oh, whoops. Dave's been the co-host for two years now, solid, and I haven't followed him back. I didn't take it personally. Okay, good. I'm so glad. don't take it personally if he doesn't follow you back either. That's true. That's true. Don't take it personally. Uh, and you gotta you gotta give us those comments because we gotta we gotta beat Julia Gillard. Yes! We gotta stay in front of the prime That's minister. True. We gotta stay in front of her. Don't 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 let her beat us. Okay, she'll go to her head. He'll go to her head. Uh, okay. Right. We got to thank the people that are already listening, Dave. Shout out. Yes, we do, sir. Okay, so regulars. Shout out. Duval, Jacksonville, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. We appreciate it. Columbia, South Carolina, capital, capital city right there. Shout out. Radford, Virginia, Highlanders, thank you. Shout Charleston, out. SC, right there. Thank you, guys. Shout out. And back in the regulars. Roanoke, Virginia. Thank you, Star City. Thank you for being regulars once again. Don't lose us. Don't lose us, Roanoke. We want to see you stay in that regulars. Dublin, Ireland. Sad news, Dave. They didn't beat out the U.S. for listens this week. But I'm I'm still holding out hope. I'm still holding out hope to get there, to get us to Ireland. Uh, Gainesville, Florida, shout out. Uh, Ashburn, Virginia, shout out. out. Charlotte City. What? 
Charlotte City. What is that? Charlotte, North Carolina. I, I don't know. I just sort of, I normally say Queen City, and I guess I just took out Queen. It was like, Charlotte Dude, City. Ready to go. That's the one. Nope. Barcelona, Spain. Shout out to Barcelona. Of course, the greater London area, UK. Dave, we actually had a new mm-hmm. one in the London area. Pinner. Oh. Pinner. Yeah. Welcome, Pinner. Yes. Mountain View, California. Shout out to our West Coast Connection. Kenner, Louisiana. Madison, Tennessee. And lastly, Dave, three newbies to the regulars. Winfield, West Virginia. Boardman, Oregon. Peoria, Illinois. All new regulars. Yes. Welcome to the regulars club. That's right. It's the cool club. It's a very cool club. Cool Uh, kids club. Semi-regulars. Hamburg, Germany, Dave. They're climbing the ranks again. They're back in the semi-regulars. They're trying to get back into the regulars. Moscow, Russia. Stay in there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Moscow. Um, Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Fairfax, Virginia checking in. There we go. Fairfax. Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, Queens, New York. Yeah, home of Hollis okay, Brown. Okay. Home of upcoming guest Falcon King. Yes, indeed. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Shout out. Uh, Tampa, Florida. Shout out. Miami, Florida. Shout out. And lastly, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shout out. Okay, okay. Okay, Dave. Uh, two newcomers. Ready for the newcomers? I am. We're going two uh, two internationals. Two internationals. Here we go. First one. I think we're gonna say this incorrectly. We're gonna give it a go. Brebes, Indonesia. Yes. Oh. Yes. Cool, cool. Indonesia, man. Now I've been told if I go to Brebes, I've got to go uh, hit up the uh, Pandasari mangrove forest. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that sounds cool. Give gives me a it gives me a vibe of the Everglades, Dave. I was taking a look, you know, and of course, a lot of mangroves, mm-hmm. of course, a lot of water, of course, right. looking pretty cool. Pretty cool. Wouldn't Probably mind a lot that. of crazy animals in there. No doubt. Huge snakes and spiders and crap. I would guess there's some pythons, Dave. I would guess there's some oh, pythons, yeah. just like the Everglades. But in Indonesia, they're actually supposed to be there. So, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, next on the list, newcomer, Saragossa, Spain. Saragossa, oh. Spain. Uh, now, Dave, back in the day, the ancient Romans called it Caesar Augustus. That's right. That was the Caesar Augustus city. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and that's actually where Saragossa comes from. Because if you think about it, right? Saragossa, Caesar Augustus, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You it's see just that? shortened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. See, they just sort of slammed it together into Saragossa. Right. And that was it. Um, it's pretty wild, Dave. You can go back. You can see the layers of Saragossa. Like you can see the walls from the Roman period, and then you can mm-hmm. see some things from the Goth period after that, and then you can see things from the Muslim caliphates in the later years. It's crazy. It's. Crazy culture going on in Saragossa. Thanks for the listens, guys. Thanks for the listens. Yeah. Everyone, thank you for the listens. All right, Dave. We got to wrap up our uh, rip from the headlines here. Um, So let's see here. Our next story, plastic surgery. 
uh, story from the Daily Ooh. Mail as well. Now, uh, Dave, okay. this isn't a trick question, but okay. if you're looking to get plastic surgery, what kind of mm-hmm. doctor do you want to visit? Hmm. A plastic surgeon. Yes, exactly. I would go Ooh. with one of those as well, right? Um, I, was, I was a little bit worried. Uh, so Tia... Uh, the, the focal point of the story, when she was 18, she wanted to get some breast implants. Mm-hmm. And uh, her friend suggested a really good surgeon. Hmm. Which turns out it wasn't a really good surgeon. It was a dentist. Wait, what? Oh. What? Com- common common mistake there. A de- was this Jose from Jacksonville? Mm, Is he practicing right? dentist and plastic <laughs> surgery out of his garage? Was that it? Mm. Jose, was that you? Anyways. You want dentures or new b- One He's of the two. You. He's got it. <laughs> now, not surprisingly, uh, Tia's surgery by the dentist, it didn't go so well. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a little bit of a botch, little bit of a botch surgery. She actually what what got what dentist is like? Oh yeah, I could do some fake exactly, boobs for you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. She she actually ended up going on the E reality show uh, for plastic surgery and having her uh, her implants improved. Uh, now, in the show, they never really revealed if the dentist is still doing surgeries or not. Or where this guy was working, which is what I really wanted to know. Like, yeah, like just show us what his garage looked like, please. And I like <laughs> I just started thinking of that. Like you said, like I mean, what gave this dude the confidence that he could do these surgeries? Like, yeah, I've done a couple tooth implants. What's the difference? Basically, the same stuff. Yeah, hmm, you know, like what? <laughs> Who would say that? It's crazy, crazy. Okay, Dave. Last story here uh, from the New York Post. Uh, Dave, do you know anybody that has bought a car from an auction? Hmm. Um, the only ones are like police auctions. Right. Where they get the, the police cars. Right, right. Um, other than that, oh, there was one girl in my high school whose dad like made a career of that. Nice. But Nice. But that that's... I don't, that's pretty much it. My dad loves watching the uh, car auctions that's a fact. on TV. Like the antique car auctions? Yeah, like the Brett's uh, 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 like famous, world famous uh, car auctions mm-hmm. and whatnot. He loves watching yeah, those. Yeah. Uh, I, it, yeah. It's really just background noise. He usually falls asleep when he's watching them. So, you know. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Right? <laughs> falls asleep. It's amazing how fast he can fall asleep sitting upright <laughs> on the couch. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then he just unconscious. It's amazing. Like, you have it, Dad. 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 Within minutes. Dad. And, like, there, uh, I have to walk through by the, the couch where he where he's sleeping to get to, uh, right. get to get to the refrigerator. I will make it to the refrigerator. I'll get something out of the refrigerator, walk back by him, and then he'll wake up and be like, ah, when did you get here, Ben? And I'll be like, what? I just, <laughs> what? I've been here, man. Come on. Come on, Dad. I got sidetracked. Anyways, auctions. Car auctions. I can't really think of any off the top of my head as far as people actually, you know, getting a a, a car off an auction. It's a little bit of a gamble, you know? You're not really right. sure about the status of the car. But at least you'd expect, I mean, the auctioneer to clean out the car, right? You know, it'd be pretty nice. 
Uh, Make it be worth more. Well, last week, a man in Laredo, Texas, he bought a car from an auction Hmm. and uh, was a tad surprised when he opened the trunk and found 74 pounds of cocaine. Wait, what? Oh, that man hit the jackpot. 74 pounds of cocaine. So... How much does a pound of cocaine go for? Let's see. Well, he uh, they valued the 74 pounds at $850,000. Uh, oh, there you go. Okay. So so he called the Webb County cops, and the cops estimated, like I said, about $850,000 worth. Uh, the sheriff put out a statement that said, I thank and congratulation, uh, congratulate the person who alerted us to the drugs. Had he not been an honest individual, the drugs could have ended up in the wrong hands Hmm. to which i gotta say like what are the other options really that this dude had when he found the drugs like right is the second that he finds these drugs is it gonna be like you know what i better become a drug dealer i don't have any other options gotta go ahead and sell (laughs) these drugs like and it's not like he you know can be like no you know what my friend jeff really likes cocaine I'll give him 74 right, like pounds of cocaine. Like It's not going to go that quickly. Yeah, and it's not like you can go to the grocery store and be like, okay, so $84 worth. Here's a couple ounces of cocaine for you, and we should be square. Am I right? Like, no. <laughs> it doesn't work. Like, he didn't have any other options. He had to. He had to call the cops. I mean, still, I guess it's good that he called the cops, but come on. Come on. Come on. Anyways, Dave, all right, it is time. It makes me wonder, hmm? hold on, that just made me think, what, what if that car was supposed to be won by the drug dealer? Like, that's some type of stuff you'd see yeah. in a movie, you know uh, what I mean? Uh, 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 what, what was that? What was, Transportation vehicle. What was what was the movie uh, with uh, Ben Stiller and uh, Owen Wilson, hmm. uh, the remake of the 70s movie hmm. um, with the Dumb cops? And Dumber? No, uh, c- 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 come on, 70s movie? Come on, Dave. Come on. Oh, the remake was... Starsky and Hutch. uh, Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. in that movie, uh, that was the exact premise. They were giving away a car, and that's where they put all the the, uh, cocaine in it. Boom. There you go. That's right. There you go. It's probably probably what triggered your memory there, Dave. Anyways. Okay. Are you ready for second birthday suit? Yes, sir. Let's go. Giving this one an 80%, but I'm pretty confident in this one, too. Pretty confident. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, born on uh, June 10th, 1965 in Basingstoke, England. Uh, her mother was a teacher, and her father was a major in the Royal Army Educational Corps. Hmm. Uh, hmm. She, took, she took to dancing at a young age and studied ballet. In 1983, she spent three years studying dance at the London Studio Center. However, she was mm-hmm. expelled from the school in 1986 for going on a trip to a Greek island. Wait, what? Rebel. Rebel. Uh, in 1995, she was introduced to a spokesmodel for Estee Lauder, and the spokesmodel wanted her to be a model for Estee Lauder, which she became a model mm-hmm. for Estee Lauder. She shot mm-hmm. to superstardom when she starred in Austin Powers in 1997 as Vanessa Kensington. Since then, she has starred in several other movies oh. like Bedazzled, Serving Sarah, and Victor. 
Also, side note, she's the godmother of David and Victoria Beckham's kids. Word. That's right. Dang. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, I know who the lady is, but I have no idea what her name is. E-H. Those are the initials. E-H. Nothing. Nothing. No idea. Dang, my 80% was overconfident. Dang it. Elizabeth Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. Yeah. Still looking magnificent at 55, by the way. Magnificent for for 55. Good for her. Uh, working it, girl. I will say there's a little bit of a weird thing uh, on Instagram. Like, apparently her son takes a lot of her pictures, which is really weird to me. Yes! Like, it's like pictures yeah, of her, you... like, in bikinis and whatnot, and you're like, Oh, God. Come on. Oh, that's cringeworthy. Son Ew. doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to be putting right. that out there, but he seems fine Don't with it, which makes him. it even weirder. That's so, right. you know. Oh. Anyways. I got, I got, I got sidetracked. <laughs> Fifty-five. She's looking good. Good for you, Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. Good for you, Dave. We are gonna take a break. When we come back, we are gonna be with none other than Will Hogue. I'm very excited about this. Right now, let's take a listen to my favorite song of Will Hogue's, "Even If It Breaks Your Heart." Right here on the Doc G Show. Way back on the radio dial Fire got lit inside a bright-eyed child Every note just wrapped around his soul From steel guitar to Memphis all the way to rock and roll
Welcome back to the show today, everybody. Today, we are joined by an extremely talented singer and songwriter known by some as the Tennessee Troublemaker, Mr. Will Hogue. Will, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Now, I, I've got to tell the listening audience uh, how I became a, a Will Hogue fan. Word. I uh, Back in 2010, November, I, uh, I got some tickets to a Shinedown acoustic concert in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Had no idea who was opening for him. Uh, but when I got there, you were opening. And uh, I watched you play Even If It Breaks Your Heart, Long Gone, Dirty Little War. And those songs just just won me over. I was a huge Will Hogue fan after that. Yes! It's good to have you on the show, man. Man, that's cool. I appreciate you sharing that, too. That's uh, That was a really great tour for, for us. And, you know, it was... Uh, one we got a lot of heat for. There were a lot of people that were telling us before that started, you know, like this is a terrible idea. It's a terrible pairing. They're gonna hate you. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've been friends with a bunch of those guys for so long, and they'd always been just so supportive of me as an artist. And it was an acoustic tour, and yeah. that was the other thing. It was like this is just it's gonna be terrible. And <laughs> you know, we it said, was no, fantastic. We're give it a try, and it was, it was one of the, it was one of the best tours we ever did. And so many of their fans. Uh, you know the the really direct return of those folks coming back to shows has been incredible in all of the cities that we did on that tour. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and uh, not to take anything from Shinedown, but I mean, you know, I, I think some of my favorite of their performances are acoustic. Yes! I mean, I know they're a hard rock band, but like, uh, 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 his voice is just so amazing. With without having a, a lot of hard rock guitars with it, so I mean, you know, having yeah. that acoustic. And, guitar. Yeah, and I think that band is really so song oriented. And I thought that last record, I thought the Attention Attention record was, mm -hmm. was really a big step forward for them, just production wise and song wise. I, you know, I think that the more that they get out and do the acoustic thing, I think they realize how important songs mm -hmm. are and and really when you can strip a song down to that level that's when you know you got a great song and so i think it probably helped change what they look at even for their own potential as a band so for sure. it was, uh, they're just great guys man i hope they continue to push themselves in that direction they 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 have good choice in music too because you know they they push me in in your direction they push me in blackstone cherry's direction there were a lot of opening yeah. bands that i saw for them that i was like man they're they're awesome i gotta follow these guys now too so uh, yeah and it was i mean you know for them same risk for us going out i mean it was a huge risk for them you know you're you're taking you know your fan base that has some pretty predefined expertise expectations of what you do and then you know here's four guys playing acoustic roots music <laughs> right before they come on stage good luck and like i said the very first night you know it was apparent that it was gonna work it was uh but it was a it was a crapshoot for both bands but ended up being really great for everybody uh, for sure well speaking of concerts uh the world doesn't really have any of those right now nope um but, <laughs> yeah but you've you've been doing some uh you know live streams you've had the my house to your house tour which is in support of the new album uh tiny little movies now obviously just like all my other guests they've said that's ah, not an in-person show but how have, how have you been liking that experience so far it's uh it's hard i mean to be honest it's just such a it's such a change from doing 
you know, I spent so many years just doing full band shows, you know, mm -hmm. so you just, you start to develop a skill set with that that you get real comfortable with. Yeah. And then, you know, over the course of years, I also then started doing some more solo and, and storyteller type shows. And then you really develop a skill set for that. Yeah. But the skill set in both of those scenarios involves, you know, banter with the audience <laughs> and feedback and there's a yeah. real give and take. And then all of a sudden, you get into this realm where you're just sitting in front of a iPhone screen trying to be whatever it is that you are and yeah. then there's nothing. You, know, you finish a song and you go, I don't know, did anybody like that? <laughs> it's uh is anybody it's a out hard there? thing yeah. to, to get used to. Yeah, it's truly like that. It's just there's no feedback, there's no response. Um but it's a challenge which I kinda welcome. I mean, and it's the reality of what, you know, at least the next year probably of our lives yeah you know as performers looks like so yeah. i gotta try to get better at it and and you know it, it, it gets easier i mean i got a new phone that made it a little easier uh i got some gear to set it up and try to make it look moderately professional and well, um that's yeah, that's the try thing to keep better at that i've thought like i mean so many of my guests i mean literally pretty much everybody that's been on the show that is well, I mean, basically on the show, I have all our uh, musicians and comedians. And basically, yeah. everybody has had these live streams. And they've and, and I feel bad for you guys because it's just such a... I mean, there's such a, a wave to all the people out there as far as this all this content coming to them. And they're like, ah, who, yeah. who do I watch? Where do I go? You know, and it's just... Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's gonna it's gonna be tough, uh, but uh, it is. I mean, I think there's 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 some there are some bright points of it though. I definitely do think they've got to see artists in a different light, like you were saying. They've got to see artists be creative in a in a way, and some of them sort yeah. of stripped back to just the essentials. And I think you know I think that's been positive in some ways, but. Uh, It'll definitely be nice when when real shows are back. That's for sure. <laughs> I look forward to it for sure. Yeah. But now, uh, since the pandemic started, I've had several guests that have had wives that were teachers, and your wife is a school counselor. So I, I actually wanted to right. ask, like, has that been rough for her over the internet? Because that seems even harder than being a teacher over the internet. Yeah, yeah and you know, I mean, some of it is harder. One that. You know, a teacher, not that, and I don't want to, teachers have got it tough. They got a yeah. classroom full of kids. You know, my wife has every classroom full yeah. of kids. I mean, you know, she deals with 563 kids. Um, and so, yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, you know, and that's why I also have to sort of temper when I go, oh, it's hard for me to <laughs> play my little songs that I wrote with no feedback. It's like, yeah, it's also hard for my, you know, but what's real hard is for my wife to try to, counsel a family who has a child that's you know suicidal or whatever it is that a family is going yeah. through i mean some of those things are really really tough and yeah it is hard yeah. um but you know the good thing her dealing with kids i think it's harder probably on the adults mm. the, you know kids are so used to dealing with devices yeah. and yeah. doing tiktok and facetime i mean it's not where you and I, you know, if we're doing this on FaceTime, it just feels awkward and weird. Oh, My yeah. kids come in here and do FaceTime. It's like, 
cool. It's just this is how I just talk to my friends. That's, so, that's what I tell know, everybody um, at the show. Is like it's so funny. I, I tell yeah. them like anybody under the age of twenty five will Facetime me every single time they need something, and I'm just like what. But just call me, you weirdo. Why are you? Jeez. What are you doing? I don't, I don't need to see my face talking to you. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Instructions on anything. It's yeah, so it's true. <laughs> it's it's weird, but they yeah they definitely they definitely are are fine with it more so than us for sure. Well, that's why I I get nervous now. You know, with the record coming out, you start doing more of this you know press stuff and. Every day when I look at my interviews and it's like phoner, yes, phoner, <laughs> yes, Zoom call. Uh, like, it's like, oh no! It's what it, it. I always, I mean, because our main outlet is the radio and the and the podcast. Like, the, a lot of managers will ask me, "Do you want to do a Zoom?" And I'm like, "What? Well, nope, not really." Because then the quality of the audio goes down, and then like right. there's a delay, and it's just. It's just weird. I'm like, nah, if we can go with the phone, that's fine. We'll go with phone. Yes! Prob- yeah. I probably have listeners out there like, I'd like to see it. Why aren't you on Zoom? Sorry, it's not going to happen, guys. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, well, then you can tell them to tune in to when that artist does something on their uh Yeah, exactly. Then you can find them there. Exactly. Yeah, uh, well, last thing, uh, pandemic-related. I noticed on Instagram, actually, you posted how during the quarantine you've been uh, you've been consuming a lot of cranberry celebration wait what uh, a premium dessert oh, yeah. salad i'm gonna be Punk honest Kroger. gotta I, mention that Punk yeah <laughs> I, I that's that's pretty specific and sort of a, a weird thing to get hooked on how did you how did you get hooked on cranberry celebration from kroger i, I think it just showed up at a party that we had maybe around thanksgiving of last year mm-hmm and it was one of those things like, mm, this thing, and it just sort of, I think I thought it was cranberry sauce. <laughs> and so I just put it on my plate and I ate it. I thought it was delicious. And I also thought it was just a seasonal thing. But then yeah. as the pandemic has continued, <laughs> I got to do more of the grocery shopping. And I saw it in the in the uh, <laughs> cold section there in the deli. And I started buying it. And I've, uh, I, yeah, I think I have single-handedly kept Kroger in business in East Nashville over the last <laughs> 10 weeks for sure. Now everybody at that Kroger's is like, they're like, oh, here's the guy. He's going to get like five of those containers now. Oh, no. Here it comes. Well, the good news is I'm wearing a mask, so they can't ID me, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, just, uh, they hadn't been able to pick me out. They, eyes, eyes up. That's all they've got. That's right. <laughs> well, so you're, you're a Tennessee native. You grew up in Franklin. Your dad was a musician, and you've written several songs that sort of you know, you, you co-wrote with other people, but they they referenced uh, you know strong, uh, and uh, they don't make them like they used to. These are all sort of father figures. Uh, obviously, uh-huh. he was a big influence on you. Now he had already given up the full time musician job by the time you came around. But what did he teach you about the the music industry and about being a musician? Well, the, I mean the non-industry and non-music part was just being a fan you know he's still one of my favorite music fans like nice. he really listens to music in the way that like consumes it i mean not only as a purchasing thing but consumes it as a listener and like pays attention to like as a kid you know we would even just in conversation you know obviously the lyrics but just you know the listen to the bass part listen to the drum part like just yeah. things that were more in depth than probably just your buddy's dad that was like, ACDC sounds cool. You know, there was more to it than that. Yeah. Um, 
But then, uh, you know, he also, because he was still playing in, like, his band would get together once or twice a year and do a show, like, mm-hmm. as I was growing up. So we'd go see him play. And, um, there was always also a level of, like, really, because he was touring, he would do shows with the early version of the, with Greg and Dwayne Allman when they were in the Allman Joys. They nice. would do shows together, and, you know, and you would hear him just talk about, you could see the difference in sort of dedication maybe between other people and then what Dwayne and Greg were doing. Yeah. How serious they were about it, how they got into So there was a a student idea, I think, that he was that really you know, led me to too. It's also like yeah. you know, it's cool. Stevie Ray Vaughan is great. Where did Stevie Ray Vaughan come from you yeah know, and then you go to freddie king and albert king and then you go from freddie king and albert king to muddy waters you know same thing with the stones when you go from the stones to howlin wolf and muddy oh yeah you go, you go from dylan to woody Guthrie, and really just sort of understanding that there's nothing new I was... every, like i'd come home with um you know i remember like when i was a little kid and kiss was huge mm-hmm. and i would you know, everybody's parents were like, you can't listen to Kiss. You know, it's the <laughs> devil's music or whatever. Yeah. You know, and my dad brought me Love Gun home or whatever and listened to it and then was like, okay, but check this out. And then he would play Alice Cooper, you know, and it was like, it's the same thing. It's like his makeup and it's this yeah. and it's, you know, you know, I brought home the Jayhawks record at one point and he listened to it and then, you know, went through his vinyl collection to the F's and found Flying Burrito Brothers and put yeah. that on for me and it was like it looks the same it sounds the same like and not in a bad way not in a rip off way but just realize oh, yeah. like everybody's everybody's listening to these things and you find what you do and then you create your own sound yeah. out of it so I think that was a huge part of it, of what I learned again. It's it's so funny that you know that idea. Me and me and my brother were actually just talking about that the other day about how like people hear you know they hear they're inspired by these bands and then they 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 replicate it, but because it's coming through their lens, it's completely different when they do it. Yes! And like yeah, it, it, I was watching this this interview with Eddie Van Halen and he was talking about. You know, he was talking about uh, different songs that they did that were, you know, turned out to be great hits. And he was like, oh, Panama. Panama was just a uh, just an ACD, uh, ACDC ripoff. That's all we were what? doing there. We were just trying to be ACDC. Right. And I was like, what? Yeah. That doesn't sound anything like ACDC. Are you kidding? Like, And totally. that's always the amazing thing to me is that they're inspired and they try to emulate something. And then it just comes out completely sort of new and original uh, a lot of times that you're that you're surprised at how like oh man that was the inspiration okay yeah all right <laughs> i mean I, yeah i remember hearing i remember hearing joe perry talk about you know walk this way and all those that sort of era of aerosmith is just incredible rock riffs and these yeah. great songs and i remember him saying they were just trying to rip off the meters records, you know, <laughs> and then you go, well, that doesn't sound at all like yeah. the meters. But then if you sort of, you listen to it and you put it through a little different lens and then you yeah. go, well, yeah. And then if you slow the drum part down, like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. And that's what's, you know, that's what's cool about music. And I think musicians are cool that way too. You know, there's stuff that, you know, I, I may go find inspiration in a, a great hip hop track. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm not going to make a hip hop record. You yeah. Know? But it can inspire me to look at lyrics a different way or phrasing a different way and the production a different way. So it doesn't also have to just be, you know, I listen to singer songwriter records and that's where I get my ideas from. Yeah. You know? it's, uh, it's certainly better than that. Well, that, that always amazes me too. The, the, uh, my, my fan, my, my friends that are purely hip hop fans, They'll be listening to a song, and I'll be like, you know, that's a that's an Isley Brothers track in the background. And they're like, what? <laughs> right, right. And I'll go back, and I'll play it, and they're like, oh, my yeah. God, he ripped off Ice Cube. And I'm like, no, Isley Brothers were ripped off by Ice Cube. It was the, it was the second way around there, but it's, yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing, the inspiration, the circular nature of it, for sure. Uh, well, you mentioned, you mentioned the deep record collection and, and sort of how your dad was a student of music and you always mention about the 60s and 70s being really concentrated where he was as far as that that music and you know i'm a huge fan of 70s rock it's probably my favorite genre uh, you know favorite decade of uh, zeppelin and fleetwood and eagles and neil mm-hmm. young and everybody but you know, you you always when you were talking about that, I've heard you you talk about it a lot, and you always are like, "Well, I wasn't really listening to what was going on at the time I was growing up. I was always back in that decade." Were there '80s bands that you really liked? Is there is there an '80s band that you can pick out that was sort of born in the '80s that you're like, "Yeah, they're good." Yeah, well, I mean, and, and I think some of those. I mean, it's, I think it was cool about the '80s. I think when you can get past. I think 80s production was just amazing really bad <laughs> really so dated sound i mean i get it and that's just sort of polished we were, very thing. very polished yeah. yeah 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 and they sort of got away from anything that was classic and got into everything like new here's the new compression and the mm-hmm. new digital snare sound and mm-hmm. all these but you know, there were a lot of good songs in the 80s, which is important. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the, I mean, U2 came out in the 80s. U2 mm-hmm. is a, a fantastic band. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, there's more. I mean, you Guns know, and Roses. Guys, like, the Stray Cats. Guns N' Roses was a, a massive influence. I mean, on me, that first record was a total life changer, and that was in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, even like air metal 80s, you know, I think about like, I mean, I still knew all the songs because anytime you turn on the radio, you heard things. Yeah. So you get little bits. The, you know, the the band Cinderella was the one that I was like, <laughs> of all of those bands, that was one that I was like, okay, this I get. Like Poison, I didn't totally get. Yeah. Motley Crue, I didn't totally get. But like Cinderella, to me, I felt like it was still a blues base. Um, Don't know what you got till it's gone. I mean, it, That's a good jam right there. I mean, I loved all that. Like, like the riff in Gypsy Road. And yeah. And I still will turn that up to 12 anytime I hear that. I mean, so yeah, there were definitely uh, bands in the 80s. That okay. Were, that were cool. And then, yeah, I mean, of course, you got all of the great stuff with like, you know, the indie stuff. I mean, you, you know, you had Husker Du and The Replacements mm-hmm. and uh, Black Flag. I mean, so there's tons of great 80s music. I think when I, I would also be remiss to act like I was this indie rock kid that knew all of those bands at the time. <laughs> well, uh, you had to go digging, too, at that time. It was a lot harder yeah. to find those indie folks uh, in the 80s, for sure. I have an older brother, you know, I think so many people, you know, because like you say, pre-internet, you either had to kind of have a cousin or an uncle or a brother that mm-hmm. was sort of hipping you to the same word, you know, yeah. um, a little bit uh, not on the radar quite as much. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, speaking of fathers, you have been one now for 13 years, 
And I heard you mention recently that they had actually been jamming themselves. They'd been playing some music. Say what? You know, playing the guitars. And I noticed on on uh, Twitter they broke one of your Gibson acoustic guitars. <laughs> and yeah, I got I got to ask, did you keep your cool on that one, or was there was there a little yelling involved? No, there really wasn't, man. You know, I can't. Um, I would have yelled and been a lot more upset about it if I had put it in a case and put it where it was supposed to go. Uh, and then they had gotten it out and done all this. But the truth is I had it laying in the living room mm. uh, against the wall. And, no. you know, they mm. either... My favorite is they said they either hit it with a football or the dogs knocked it over when they were chasing it. And I was like, so wait, it fell over at least two times? They are like, yeah. Girl, come on. <laughs> you know, they sort of conveniently laid the headstock back on the neck. And, yes. uh, no. I mean, I just explained to them, I was like, look, in the future, when this happens, just come clean about it. Mm. They're like, okay, we're really sorry. Oh, man. So, yeah, you know, they'll fix it at some point. He'll get there. He'll get there. Well, so you're uh, about 12 albums deep, yes! 25 years in the music profession. Uh, and before you actually decided to fully put everything into music, I saw way back when you were actually planning on being a history teacher and a basketball coach, which was pretty exciting right. to me because I love history and I love <laughs> basketball. So I, I got two yeah. questions. What what would be your historical period you want to teach about the most? And do you have a favorite NBA team? Hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. So uh, American history, Civil War to World War II. Oh, same here. All in, yes. Probably mine. Uh, and the uh, '80s era Boston Celtics are my favorite. Best. Oh wow. Okay. Going back, you're actually giving me an air. So not now. You're. Are you? Do you still root for Boston now, or is it somebody else? If you watch, just as a, I'm more of just an NBA fan as a whole. I mean, I, again, growing up a Celtics fan was um, that's still kind of a go-to for me. But I've got some friends in different organizations, and so nice. Um, I support, you know, the Grizzlies are like our local team. So that's yeah. always, you know, we try to get see them play when we can. That's always great. And then just some other friends and organizations that folks in the jazz organization have been real good to me and my family and some friends that work there. So we we try to support them and um, it's really kind of equal opportunity. Nice. Uh, in the Hogue house. <laughs> Uh, I, I gotta say, I think one of the things uh, for me that makes a, a, a mark of a great musician is when other great musicians recognize the greatness, you know, uh, and, and like we mentioned at the start, you, you've got a lot of, uh, fans and supporters in the music industry, yes! uh, Sheryl Crow, Shine Down. I mean, I was, I was, I didn't know this, but I mean, uh, Mike Ness, the lead singer of Social Distortion reached out to you to tour with him because he liked your music, which talk about a, a pairing that's, I mean, that I feel like that one's rougher than, than Shinedown as far as the, the group that's going to a social distortion concert versus your music. Um, obviously, it's awesome to hear that somebody likes your music regardless of who they are, but who were you sort of like the most impressed by or sort of blown away when you found out that they liked your music, that they were a fan of your music? I mean, Cheryl was a big one because, again, she was just, you know, I saw her open for the stone. I mean, you know, and she was making records 
um, right when I was sort of starting bands, you know, she yeah. was completely starting to have success and making these really cool rock and roll records. So that was cool. And the Neff thing was was pretty special, like you said. I mean, because those records, those Social D records, and that's another one. That, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the 80s. 80s those yeah. records were really powerful, you know, for me. And because that was, and he did this, you know, Social Distortion was this weird mix of, you know, they were also playing like revved up country songs yeah. at times. And so like I understood it. You know, I understood the the riffs and the melodies were cool. Like they were really again, if you grabbed an acoustic guitar, you could still play those songs. Yeah. And they made sense. And so that was a big one. Like that and that one was just totally out of left field. I mean, that was one I didn't see coming and, and you know, Mike is a uh, somebody I really consider a friend and a uh, and an inspiration. I mean, you know that tour, and like you said, that one more so than the Shine Down tour, where at least that was stripped down and we were playing acoustic. I mean, you know, yeah, the Social D run was all. I mean, it was just their full on. <laughs> here is punk rock 101. Yeah, in front of hardcore punk rock fans, and then you get four. <laughs> you know, dudes from Nashville and <laughs> cowboy boots walking on stage. It has the potential to just, yeah, to not go over well. And it was the exact opposite, you know. Nice. And, and Mike was a huge part of that. About the third show in, you know, he stood and watched every night when we played. Nice. And that was intimidating. And then the third or fourth night of the tour, like 70% way through the set, and it's going pretty well, it felt like. Yeah. But all of a sudden the crowd erupts. And I thought, man, we are killing it. <laughs> and it was because he had walked out on stage. Like Mike just comes out and he gives me a hug and he gives the audience a little speech about how he, you know, heard a record and wanted us on tour. And of course, at that point, you're getting anointed by punk rock Jesus, basically. Yeah. So, you know, the people then, of course, can't not like you. It's like, well, the dude we came to see just said these guys are legit. Yeah. So it was really great, man. That's a big one. I mean, yeah, the Mike. That, and that friendship has been really cool. I mean, that's not something that just at the end of the tour was like high five, see you later. I yeah, mean, we really stayed in contact, and he reaches out, and uh, it's a friendship that's real important to me. Nice. Now, well, uh, it, it amazes me. You know, we had we had Still Pulse, the the reggae band, on the show uh, yeah. last year, and. You know, we talked about their start and how they were basically with punk bands for the first, like, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years of their career. And I was like, it amazes me how accepting punk fans are. And you wouldn't think, you'd think they'd be like the least accepting people ever just by their, like, yeah. appearance, you know? It was like, keep away from me. But then he, he was like, yeah, they, uh, they were super nice to us. He was like, we were confused at first. Because we first came out on stage, they started spitting on us, and we left. Yeah. And we asked, we asked the Clash. We were like, "Uh, they're spitting on us. That's not very nice." And he was like, "Oh no, that means you're good. That's what they're they're happy about." Right. That. And he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah. but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 surprising, you know. I mean, how accepting they are to to different music for sure." Yeah, and I think that. And especially in that situation where, you know, those people that are coming to see Social Distortion, I mean, they're really, they're bought in on yeah. that band. I mean, they got, they got the wallet chains and everything. I mean, it's, it's a Social D party. I mean, and yeah. so in some ways, it's really a, 
a family type thing. I yeah. mean, there are also people that are coming, you know, where maybe in 1985, maybe there was an element of danger there. But, you know, that audience has also grown, and those guys are fathers now or grandfathers yeah. now. And a lot of them are bringing, like, the songs still matter, the performances still matter. But they're also bringing a whole generation of new kids. I mean, it was a cool tour to get to do because you got to play for, you know, there were people that were 65 and 70 years old. And there were also people that were 12 and 13 years old. Yeah. And that's a cool, and like you said, I mean, you realize, I mean, punk rock, rock and roll as a whole, just music across the board really can bring folks together like that when it's done well. And that's yeah. the thing with social media. They've done it well for 40 years. Mm -hmm. First, first, uh, first tattoo I got, Social Distortion was playing the whole time. That was going on in the tattoo really? parlor. That's yep. Awesome. Yeah, the that, last tattoo I got the distortion was playing the whole time. So that's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, you you had uh, a bad, really bad wreck on a scooter about twelve years ago, you know, downtown Nashville. Yeah. Uh, you had to re you had to relearn how to walk, seeing everything. Took ten months just to get back playing the guitar. And I gotta be honest, I read an article. Uh, last week about like I went back and I looked at one from 2010 where you're talking about it and coming out of that coma sounded absolutely terrifying how does does it still affect you uh, physically and psychologically are there still things that, that come up yeah uh, yeah there are I mean physically I mean there's enough there was enough damage there I mean they put enough hardware in my right leg i mean for my knee to my hip it looks like c3po threw up uh in the x-ray i mean it's just ridiculous yeah. um yeah so i mean that hurt i mean and there's stuff i mean the the fractures and the breaks and what they had to fix you know my shoulders and my chest and my legs and everything else uh ribs i mean yeah it, it there's physical pain that mm -hmm. i just have learned to deal with and i've been real fortunate to have some great physical therapists um, over the years and continue to try really hard to keep myself physically healthy as best I can. And then mentally yeah. too. I mean, that was a, it was hard. There was a lot of, uh, post-traumatic stress yeah. with, uh, with that whole situation. And it, and that took a lot of working through and therapy and things like that and, and still have to do it. I mean, it's just, uh, and there are moments, you know, then, you think you're sort of past it. I'm like this past late January of this year, I was driving to meet my wife and kid. We were, I was doing solo shows in Florida mm -hmm. and just driving by myself to meet them. And in Miami to go out on one of these festival cruises called the rock boat. And oh, they yeah. were there. And in the middle of the night, I had some work done on my van and they had screwed that up. And so, you know, the middle of the Florida turnpike at four in the morning, all of a sudden the rear end of the van locks up and mm. it just goes into a spin and into the median head on and you know and again it, it messed my knees up and then it brings back a ton of stuff but yeah. then you kind of get knocked back to where you were before about being in a vehicle and yeah moving and things like that but yeah it's a constant um it's a constant struggle um but you know it beats the alternative That's, yeah yeah for sure well one of the reasons you started riding that scooter was was for the environment uh, you know, less pollution, more fuel efficient. 
Yeah. And, and I noticed, actually, the last three years, you've actually found a way to do that without the scooter. You created the Nashville Electric Transportation uh, in 2017 mm-hmm. with Brian Johnson, not the lead singer of ACDC, another Brian Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah, different Brian Johnson. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing I got to ask, are, are, is it still operating during the pandemic? Do you still have uh, uh, basically cars going? We don't. We stop. Well, I mean, we, we're still a company. We have yeah. our uh, employees that are not working at this point, but we still have the full fleet of, uh, of vehicles. And yeah. we're hoping, uh, we're eyeing uh, about the June 14th mark for trying to get ourselves back up and, nice. and running safely at that point. Nice. Well, I, I noticed when you first started the company, you you were actually one of the drivers. You were driving. Um, how many yeah, people I mean, recognized the, you? Um a few you know which is and then it was it was always a little awkward because then a lot of people also wouldn't ask <laughs> so yeah. it would, you would sort of just tell from the leaning like so you know do you drive full time then it would start to become these questions and then <laughs> um people started to sort of get hip to it but again it was cool you know like yeah i mean the first two drivers when brian and i started the company I mean, we had one car yeah and it stayed in my driveway, and we did all of the driving for quite some time. And then um, over the course of the last two years in particular, it's really gotten to where we don't have to do yeah. the driving anymore, which is good. Um, yeah. But it's still also, you know, I remember reading about Waffle House managers and their big-time corporate people. You know, once a year, they still have to go back and work in an actual restaurant, everybody in the company. Yeah. It's just corporate policy. And I still love that idea. I mean, but you still have to get out. So, you know, Brian and I both still, a few times a year, we'll get out. And it's just important to figure out you know, what's working within the company, how employees are really getting treated. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was just thinking, if, if I were you, I'd just I'd just be playing my own albums the whole time. And I'd just be like, oh, my God, have you heard this guy before? This guy, Will Hogue, is amazing. You well, should check out his album. It's funny. One of our drivers has gone through and created, a, you know, in those Teslas, there's a, there's a really great interface for all your music and all of that. And one yeah. of the drivers has gone through and created a Will Hogue library on nice. the uh, hard drive each vehicle so uh, we can abuse that whenever, <laughs> whenever needed nice good uh well so this may be the hardest question i ask you uh but if i come to nashville uh and i do come to nashville from time to time so true and i get a nashville electric transportation tesla and you're driving and i say will take me to the best place in nashville to eat hmm. where are you going to take me I'm gonna take you. That's not even a hard question. That's oh easy. wow! Now, are you talking about you talking about like a fancy dinner, or are you just talking about like we're going to grab lunch? Wherever get, you, more, wherever uh, you want to go, whatever scale you want to take okay. me to. I'm taking you to Mitchell Deli. Mitchell's Deli. Mitchell's Deli. That's For a sure. new one. Impressive. Nice. I mean, I've had a ton of Nashville folks, and I still I haven't heard Mitchell's Deli. So that's is that sort of classic <laughs> New York Deli style. No, it's a, it's a total East Nashville thing. I discovered them years ago when they opened, and they were this little bitty, you know, two-table kind of deli sandwich place. And um, they've grown it over the last 10 years and have a great little spot down the street from us. Uh, all sorts of great sandwiches and really lo- local meat, local baked bread. Nice. Uh, 
insisting they have an Asian flank steak sandwich that will it'll blow your mind. Wow, it's incredible! Yeah, that does sound good. Man, all right. I'm always excited when we get a new one on there. Man, you gotta let me know when you're here. We'll do it. Definitely, we'll do it. Uh, so the new album is coming out in less than a month. Tidy, uh, tiny little movies. And I've heard you say, you know, this was sort of. I've heard you say you grew up on rock and roll records, and that's sort of your intent every time you go into the studio is to recreate, honor that sound. Um, which song on this new album do you think is is most rock and roll? Maybe not your favorite, but most rock and roll. Uh, Con Man Blues, probably. Nice, nice. All right, Con Man Blues. Now, yeah. Glide Magazine said that uh, that's how you lose her. Uh, was Bob Seger like? Hmm. Would you would you agree with their assessment? Would you say that's Bob Seger like? I wouldn't, but I mean, <laughs> I, uh, you know, Bob Seger had a fifty year career of doing this. I mean, I, I don't take that as a I take that as a huge compliment. I don't know For that sure. that would be if I were to describe that track. That's not how I would describe it. But I'm okay. not mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so in 2018, you released My American Dream. And My American Dream, obviously, it had a it had a social, political message. Um, and th- there weren't... There were some fans of it that really loved it, and there were some fans that, uh, you know, weren't fans of it. Uh, would you say yeah. there are same messages on this album? Um, do they still carry over into this album? I think some do. I mean, you know, that, that album in particular was, I mean, it was almost a concept record in that everything was social or political commentary on that whole record. And that's yeah. definitely not the case, this new album. Um, but there are still, I mean, there's a couple of songs where those themes, I think, still creep in, but it's not yeah. a, it's not an overt, um, tip of the hat to those things like the last record was for sure yeah yeah i've got to say i think my favorite sort of social message song that you you have is uh jesus came to tennessee yes! that uh oh, I, I love i love that song it's just so and not not to be talladega nights but that's how i picture my jesus sort of like you have him in that yeah. song so you know it's uh yeah a, a guy that's that's he's got swagger but he's not—he's not in your face. He's laid back, and he has a message of love. Everybody, it's just—it's—it's it's such a—such right. a good uh, song. If you haven't listened to it, listeners, check it out for sure. It's a good yes! one. Um, well, yeah, please do. Yeah, you've got two more dates for the My House to Your House tour: um, June twelfth and uh, June twenty-sixth. So listeners need to check it out, and of course, the full album. Uh, drops at the same time. That's going to come out on the 26th as well. Uh, once you drop the album, what's what's the plans after that for the for the music side of things? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're we've got to come up with some way to get some more shows done. So we're in talks right now to see if there's. We found a facility here in town that I think can help us do some broadcast, some really pro broadcast. Nice with the band. At that point, you know, we should all be healthy enough and, and in a place where maybe the band and I can get together and and do some shows. We've talked about maybe even some some outdoor things that we could film and kind of do where there's just, you know, really trying to mind uh, the safety issues that we're going to yeah. have to really work together on until there's a, 
vaccine or something for the COVID um, situation. But yeah. so I don't know. I mean, we've got a. I've never put a record out, you know, in 20 plus years of doing this, never Without put a record touring. out where you can't tour and yeah. no one can. It's not like, so I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, uh any ideas, feel free to, uh, <laughs> to, to email me. We'll, uh, we'll see any of them that make sense. Well, I, I will say, uh, I've seen a couple of our artists do the drive in, uh, the drive-in yeah. concerts. Yeah. Um, that seemed uh-huh. pretty popular for their fans. So I don't know. I don't know if you could try a a drive-in sort of theater approach to a concert. See if that uh... future. Yeah, I don't think that's a terrible idea at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, got to get creative for sure. We've got to get creative. Um, that's sure. Well, well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Man, I appreciate it. I hope we'll see you somewhere soon. Yeah, for sure. Listeners, check out the new album. Like I said, June 26th on all platforms, or you can go to willhoag.com. Right now, let's take a listen to The Curse off of Tiny Little Movies right here on The Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc A G A Show. Yes. You just heard Will Hogue off of his new album there, Tiny Little Movies. Yes. Yes. yes thank sir. You. Thank you very much to Will for coming on the show, man. Uh, you know. Man, uh, thank you. It's like I said, I think last week. It hasn't actually been a, 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 a dream of mine to interview him for 10 years, but I mean, ever since I saw him. In, Pretty close. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously after I saw him, saw him perform, I wouldn't mind chatting with him. That's and I right. I got to chat with him, so that was right. nice, you know? Plus, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to take him up. He said, next time you're in Nashville, let me know. We're going to go to Mitchell's Deli. Yes! We're going to Mitchell's Deli. Yes! I'm bringing him. I'm bringing Drake. I'm bringing Lonely Highway. We're all going. I'll pay for everybody. Boom. I'll do it. I will waste money like that. You know it, Dave. <laughs> You know I, I like know it. you know I like to waste money. It's something that I do. Um, on, on big meals. Usually, yes. That's a fact. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to really waste money on. But you guys should go check out his whole catalog of albums. They're all great. I mean, the songs that he has, uh, which we already heard on the show, yes! even if it breaks your heart. Uh, uh, long gone. Uh, dirty. Uh, little war. Uh, uh, strong. Um, don't make them like they used to. So many good jams. So true. So many good jams. You got to check them out. And the new album is amazing. Fantastic. Will Hogue. Will Hogue. Give it up, Dave. It's time. Third birthday suit. Say what? Um, pretty confident about this one. Gave this a ninety-two percent rating. Oh, okay. Because okay. it's in your wheelhouse. It's sports. Um, All right. But Good. need a sports one. Not the most popular uh, athlete in in basketball. So, but I I mean, he's been an all star. I'm fairly. He's been I'm an all star. Fairly confident with my NBA rosters. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So born in Indianapolis, Indiana, in 1988. Mm-hmm. Our birthday suit wearer okay. went to Pike High School, where he excelled at basketball. As a senior, he okay. averaged 22 points, four assists. Coming out of high school, okay. he was ranked the 57th best player in the country. He decided to play at Wake Forest. In 2009, he became the first All-American at Wake Forest since Chris Paul. He led mm-hmm. Wake Forest uh, his sophomore year with 18.5 points and 3.5 assists. Jeez. Pretty surprising. It's al- almost the same as his high school numbers. Like, I mean, he didn't even really drop off for college. That's impressive. And right. kept it steady. Even more impressive 48.5% three point percentage in college. Say what? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Dead, nice. dead money. Dead money. Uh, after his second year, he declared for the draft, and he was selected 19th overall by the Atlanta Hawks. In 2015, he was selected to be an NBA All-Star. In 2016, he was traded to the Indiana Pacers. And then in 2017, he was traded to the Timberwolves. Nate- that is Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is correct. Yes. Uh, he, right. he actually, I didn't, I didn't mention it. He is actually just traded this year. They traded him somewhere else. I forget where it was because I, because uh, I was like, what? He went where? Because he's I now. I don't know either. He he went somewhere. I, he went back to the Hawks. He's back to the Hawks. 
Oh, good. I like him with the Hawks. Made it back. Well, I liked him with that old Hawks team, but yeah, I was about to say that was a fun team to watch. Yeah, they're not so. They're not so great. Not so you know, not so great. They got the old man Vince Carter. Probably not gonna play. They didn't make it, man. No, he's he's officially retired. Oh, yeah. he did. Okay. Sad. Yeah. Okay. Cause they didn't make okay. it. Okay. The well, they didn't make it to the new, uh, you know, twenty-two Format. playoff team. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. Weren't good enough. But uh, Jeff Teague turning the big 3-2, man. 3-2. Happy birthday, Jeff Teague. Yeah, 11, 11 years in the NBA. Pretty impressive, man. Sneaky 11. Well, time in the NBA goes by quick. Yeah, it's, cra- yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, I remember him playing because uh, that was like right after I graduated college. I had a lot of time mm-hmm. there before I went to grad school uh, on my hands, mm-hmm. especially in that winter mm-hmm. because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, sure. And uh, I watched a lot of ACC basketball during that time. And I got to be honest, I watched a ton of Wake Forest games. Me and my mom got down on some Wake Forest games. You better believe (laughs) Tuesday ACC nights, we watched it. And, man, there were some good Teague games in there. He was a a gunner. Him and Ish Smith. Him and uh, Ish Smith and Jeff Teague. I remember Ish Smith. Yeah, Yeah, those guys got it. They got it. They were an exciting team. I liked watching them. I liked watching them. That was the same time that uh, that uh, Miami had Jack McClinton on their team. Oh, Jack could kill it. That's right. Could kill it. One of the best players never to really make it to the NBA. He should have, man. 100% should have. But it's not about Jack. It's about uh, Jeff Teague. Happy birthday, <laughs> Jeff Teague. Uh, 32. Enjoy it, man. You're back in ATL. Enjoy it. Have a good time for sure. Happy birthday. Jave. Yes! It's time. I'm going to tell you about some upcoming shows. Now, I'm I'm very excited. I told you, we are going to start doing two shows a week. That's right, listeners. Two shows a week. Now, Dave. Get ready. Dave's a busy man. So instead of loading down Dave with two shows a week, I enlisted the help of Jake Parler. You know Jake from the great band Bella Vita. Jake's going to come in. He's going to co-host with me on this second show on Sundays. So we got a hump day show, the classic, and then we got a Sunday, bring the fire, bring the funk. Exactly. Sunday fun day. Sunday that's, funk day. That's that, Yes. Does that work? Nice. It does, Dave. Yes! Nicely done. Okay. Nicely okay. done. So I'm not I'm not even going to... We've got so many guests coming, like I don't even know how to list them yet. But we've got so many. Let me run down the list here. We've got King Falcon, a new band out of uh, Queens. Very excited about these guys. Fun time. Uh, Mike Rubin's going to come on. He's going to talk to us. Very excited about that. Yes! We've got the great show... Uh, the great Great um, uh, band, Moon Fever. That's right. Moon Fever's coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, very talented uh, lead singer, Cody Jasper. He's been around, man. Cody Jasper actually used to perform a lot in St. Augustine. He's actually born oh. Riverside, Jacksonville. Say what? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, now he's living out in California doing big dog stuff. So we're going to talk to him. going to talk about Moon Fever. We've also got Little Hurt. So true. Uh, who is actually Colin from the Mowgli's. He uh, left the mm-hmm. Mowgli's and now he's doing his own thing. Very excited about that. That's going to be a good one. We've also got a very exciting band, Quaker City Nighthawks Sweet. from Texas. These guys, they are funky. 
They are funky. Ooh. They're funky. That's they're right. on their own. They sometimes they're called UFO country rock. That's what they're called. Interesting. Yeah, man. They are Sam Anderson, their lead singer, guitarist. He's going to be talking to us. I can't wait, man. They got this one awesome song. It's got such swagger, such feel. It's called Queso Blanco. And it's about Ooh. getting Queso Blanco at a at a Tex-Mex restaurant. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. Who, it's, does, who can't relate to that? It's got such swagger, man. I'm going to tell him it makes me feel like I feel when I go in a Tex-Mex restaurant and I know I'm going to get some <laughs> awesome food. Like, that's what it makes me like, oh, yeah. Oh, just that groove. Like, oh, it's time to get fat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like that. Oh, so good. So good, Dave. I'm very excited about talking with him. It's going to be good. Also, their music's been on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, show Sons Anarchy. Cool, there. That's where cool. one of their big breaks they got. We've also got Stick Figure down the road. They're coming on. One of the most popular yes, reggae bands out there right now. They're killing the game. We've also got Trevor Hall coming on the show later down the road. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Trevor Hall, big, big time, big time musician. Uh, Rise, uh, Rising Appalachia had him on their uh, their last album. We talked about him a little bit. He's from Hilton Head. Hilton Head, South Carolina. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Originally. Nice. Yeah. Crazy, man. And let me tell you, when I told Dan, our graphic artist for the show there, when I told Dan that Trevor Hall was coming on the show, he lost it. He's like, what? Did no, oh my God, I can't believe it. And he sent me a text with like 17 exclamation points. He's like, what? Oh, big fan. Yeah, huge fan. He said it was a big part of his undergrad. Big part. And I was like, well, too bad, Dan. You can't interview him. It's me. Girl, come on. I, I didn't actually say that. I didn't say that. Step off, Dan. Yeah, I didn't say that. But I'm so excited about all the shows. We, it. we got so many good ones coming up. I can't wait. But until next time, we got to wrap it up. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, what I said at the start of the show, Dave Burles, Berlin. Say what? Happy hump day, guys. Woo! It was a fun one. Woo! See y'all this Sunday, Doc? Yes. This Sunday's the first one? Yeah, this is, this is All it. All right. This is it. Me and Jake, well, we're going to lay it down. Y'all won't see me Sunday, no. but you'll see them Sunday. Get ready for it. Dave's going to be back on Wednesday. Jake will be with me on Sunday. Until then, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. Oh.